Good morning to everybody that's here this morning. It's great to have you here. To those who are going to be listening online as well as those joining us on Facebook Live, because we are starting to do that, to invite them in. It's really great to have you all with us this morning. A couple weeks ago, we started a journey on focusing our faith. A couple weeks ago, we said, we're going to get together, we're going to, we're going to try to shift our focus. Too often, we see our circumstances and not who God called us to be. We see what's going on in our life, but not the reality of what God says. We see defeat before we ever even set foot in the game. We just look at it and say it's too hard, and we don't even try. We're creating a culture, I truly believe, with social media and everything else, where people are afraid to make a mistake. It's a sad way to live life. But when we go through and we start thinking about the fact that, you know, life is just hard. It's going to be. I mean, anybody that's ever had kids can attest to that. Life is hard. Jesus never said life was going to be easy. Jesus did say, I'll walk with you, though. When he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy, right? A yoke was never meant for a single oxen. It was meant for a pair, and they were form-fitted. So the yoke God has for you is form-fitted for you to walk with the Holy Spirit through to victory. But too often we see it's going to be hard, so do I want to take a chance? We read, we, we read about a story a, a couple weeks ago with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jonathan, where they faced some insurmountable odds. I mean, Shadrach and those guys, they're like, kneel down to this big statue of myself I made, or I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. What did they do? They refused to compromise their faith in their God to make someone else happy. Faith sometimes isn't popular. These guys said what? And again, we talked about it. I posted it. I'm like, even if our God doesn't rescue us the way he thinks we should, we still will not bow to you and compromise our beliefs. Culture today is all about compromising what you stand for. And we're afraid. And the, re the reason I can say that is we're afraid we might offend somebody by standing for what we believe. We talked about it last week in our Next Steps group. We're never going to compromise the truth, but we're never going to present it condemning. Because Jesus never presented the gospel in a condemning way. He accepted everybody and his kingdom changed people. So when people walk through this door, that's why we will accept everybody because we truly believe everyone matters to God. God didn't create anybody on accident. When we looked at Jonathan, what he was going up against, about it's him and his armor bearer, and he got to climb a cliff. And what does he say? Perhaps the Lord will do something great. We see a problem like that and say, let's find an easier way around. Let's get the rest of the army first. We're afraid to step out in faith 
because what if I fail? And we talked about what if you succeed. Do you have enough humility to say, even if I fail, my God will get the glory? Because guess what? When God shows up, he's not going to humiliate himself. When we give God a chance, he'll do something great. It may not be how we thought, but like in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three guys went in, four were hanging out. So when you walk into the fire, Jesus never said you won't go in the fire. He said, I'll be with you in it. So you're never alone. We also have believers here who will walk with you through it. Why, we're a family. Because we're going to hang out together. We're going to go through the hard times together. And we're going to hold each other accountable to those choices. I want to read a story real quick as we, get, as we get ready to go into today's message. of In the most bizarre games in college football history, on November 11th, 1939, Texas Tech and Centenary racked up an amazing 77 punts. <laughs> yes, you heard it right. 77 punts. Now, anybody that's ever played football, I have no idea how you punt the ball 77 times in a game. Texas Tech punted 39 times. Centenary, 38 times, both hitting the all-time record list. 67 punts were made on first down, including 22 in a row in the third and fourth quarters. Texas Tech finished with minus one yard of offense. Centenary rolled up a big 30 yards total. The final score was zero to zero. Nobody won, nobody lost, because nobody took any risk. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Are we willing to take a risk for God? Are we willing to step out in faith and see what God's, God does. I mean, in that story, as I was reading that story, I'm just like, I've, I've seen punts occasionally on first down, but not that many times. They really didn't want to lose. They didn't want to win. They didn't want to lose. And you always see, worst defense ever in football is the prevent. Why? Because you're playing not to give up a big play. You've seen, if you've watched football enough, time and time again, teams will give up leads, give up scores, and lose because they slip to the prevent and quit attacking. Emmett Smith made a statement one year when he was in the Super Bowl with Dallas against Buffalo. A reporter asked him, what do you think your defense is going to do to stop Buffalo's offense? Emmett Smith's response to them was, what are they going to do to stop us? He was focused on what he was doing, not what they were doing. And when we focus on what God's doing, not what the enemy is telling us, we can create a victory and go for a win. Because you're either playing for the win or you're playing not to lose. I would prefer to take a chance with God, go all in with God, and say, let's see what you do. And if I don't get there the first time, I'm going to dust myself off and do it again. I'm going to pick myself up and dust myself off and do it again. Because the Christian life is about getting kicked and beat down, getting up with Jesus, dusting ourselves off and say, guess what? I still love you. 
no matter what you do to me, I'm still going to love you. Why? Because God, Jesus loved me first. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, when God gives you a, a focus on where he wants to take you, the sad part about it is most of the time your worst enemies are your closest allies. Take myself as an example. <laughs> Just because I know my story, I don't know yours. I worked at the hospital 17 years. Okay, I became a pastor, had no idea what to do with it. I just felt God was calling me to become a pastor. So I worked at the hospital 17 years. I got security. I got a two-week paycheck coming in every week. Sweet God, thank you. All of a sudden, God calls me to come up here and work with Emo and Rice. And I'm working 40 hours a week at the hospital, 40 hours plus a week as a, as a pastor now at this point, plus I'm doing another job on the side. So I'm working a lot of hours, burning myself at both ends. I prayed that prayer. <laughs> Here I am, Lord, your servant's listening. Don't pray that. Unless you want to get challenged. He asked me to walk away from my job I was comfortable in. God cares less about your comfort and more about your obedience. So I walked away from a job that I had for 17 years. Not, I don't have an every two-week paycheck coming from them anymore. And I started working here, still part-time at that time, with Emo. And God kept, when I did that, it was amazing to watch what God did with our body. He started giving us some dreams of stepping out in faith and doing some stuff. Let's move out of the one area we're in. Let's go to another area that's going to cost us a little more money, but we can reach more people with it. And God's like, I got this. I'm like, okay, you better, because we don't. And so we stepped out in faith and moved here to the school. Now it's been awesome to be here. It truly has. But it, what, it, what it proves and what I want to say is our goals are what we can see. God's dreams are what only he can do. And so when we stepped out in faith to say, okay, God, do what you need to do in this church, and Emil then we went to the district and said, okay, Gene, we want you to take over at this point, understanding that I still don't see myself as a pastor. We start taking the next step. Because God had a vision for his church. He gave us goals for this church. We had to step out in faith and see what God could do. And so I think if we're all honest, and we all really would look back on our lives and not look back at the regrets, because that's next week, as we're going to continue in our story next week. Um, I'll let you guys start to find this because it's Old Testament style stuff and you might not know where it's at. We're going to go to Nehemiah 13 today. Um, oh, and, and so, actually I think I, I wrote that wrong. It should be number 13. I don't know why I put Nehemiah. I was reading that somewhere else. So Numbers 13 is where we're going today, actually. Sorry. Which makes it even worse in the Old Testament. So, um, God says, I can look back on my life, and there are times I know beyond a shadow of a doubt he was protecting me from myself. 
Now understand, I didn't start following Jesus wholeheartedly until I was 33. So I did a lot of stupid stuff before then. So I can look back on my life and see where God saved me from myself. Where God took me out of situations and said, okay, here's what I want you to do. And I'm like, are you sure? And he said, yep. And I'm like, okay. The decisions God may have saved you from years ago were to protect you today, not from back then. When God did some stuff back in your life when you would do silly things like me, he was protecting me for today because he knew where he was taking me. I couldn't see it. I could barely see my face in a mirror in front of me. But God saw something that only he could do. And as we go to Numbers 13 this morning, I want to actually start in verse 1. And it said, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. We're not going to read those tribes and stuff, so don't, don't worry about that. But I want, you, I want you to check this out. God calls us to a place, and does he just leave us there? No, we're called there for a purpose. He called these 12 leaders together. Why? Because he wanted them to go out and expand a land. God has called you here to Bridge Church. Whether you understand why, whether you think it is true, you are here not on accident, not because you chose to be here, but because God had ordained you to be here beforehand. You're not here by mistake this morning. And so as he was going through things, I want you to look at this right now as we start to get into this stuff, is the devil, as we go through the story, is a master of making things look worse than they really are. As we read through this story, you're going to see how the devil tricked 10 of the 12 to see something that wasn't there because God said in verse 2, I've already given you this land. Do you live your life that God's already giving you your land? We've claimed the land. We've been praying for that for how many years? Before we ever saw it happen, we were claiming it for God because God said, this is what I got for you to Emil. And we prayed. And we prayed. And we saw nothing happen. But guess what? We prayed. Because what's God's job? To be fruitful. What's our job? To be faithful. And so we prayed again. And guess what? This last year, God blessed us. We signed a contract to buy that land. Why? Because we are going to make a difference in our community that people aren't ready to see happen yet. Because we serve a God who's amazing. And so as we jump down to verse 17 in our story, because you guys probably don't want to read all those names either, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. So do you see? God calls you, and then he gives you your instructions. He doesn't just call you. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love people. I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to be obedient. I want you to see what I've already done because you're starting to look over the horizon. You're starting to get the vision that I've given you and you see beyond the temporal to the eternal. And that's what God does. He gives us vision to see beyond what we see today to what he's going to do down the road. 
and says, see what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls? Or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crop. It was crop season, so he said, grab some, bring it back. So they went up in the land and explored it. They went up and from the wilderness is in as far as Rehob, near Labohamath, going north. We're going to skip through all that now. And we're going to go back down to verse 25. And it says, after exploring the land for 40 days, you will read time and time again, when God was getting ready to do something, they did something for 40 days. So somebody want to study something? Study 40 days in the Bible. What's the significance of doing something for 40 days? I had a whole other sermon series. Okay? And so they returned. They talked to Moses and Aaron, the whole community. They reported to the whole community. And they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken. Remember, in, in the story, as we skipped over there, they cut off grapes that the clusters two guys had to carry. I don't know about your grapes you buy in the store, but it ever take two of you to call them out? Guess what they did? And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm taking this from Choco de Jesus as I listened to a talk last week with him. He says, I'm thinking it was Joshua and Caleb that carried the fruit. Why? Because they tasted and seen that the Lord was good. Because if you read this story, there's only two men who remained faithful to the vision God had given them. They said this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it indeed is it a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live there, and we're going to jump down to verse 30 because this is the key. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses, and he said, let's go at once. Let's take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. When you see a giant in your life, a disease in your life, kids in your life, marriage in your life, jobs in your life, do you see a giant that you can't overcome or do you have the faith of Caleb that says, let's go, we're going to take it? Yeah, somebody give me an amen because that's good preaching. Jesus has already claimed the victory for you in your life. When are you going to grab hold of it? Here's what faith and unbelief does. Faith sees possibilities. Unbelief sees obstacles. Faith sees opportunities. Unbelief sees the problem. Faith says, God's got this. Unbelief says, I can't do this on my own. Faith sees victory. Unbelief sees defeat. Faith sees more in the promise of God to help. Unbelief sees more in the things that hinder us from seeing God move. Faith gives us comfort in the midst of fear. Unbelief brings fear in the midst of comfort. Faith makes waiting an active participation. Unbelief says do nothing. Hurry up, God. Give me the answer I want. Do you see where fear and faith? Fear isn't the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Fear we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But we have to believe 
in the blood of the Lamb. Faith makes a great burden light. Unbelief will make a light burden heavy. Faith lifts us up when we are down, but unbelief throws us down when you are up. And the last one, faith brings us near to God when we were far from Him. Unbelief makes us believe we're far from God when we're right next to Him. When we face difficult situations, which we will, we have a few choices to make. And those are the choices I put up here. You get to decide whether or not you truly believe that God is on your side. And if you truly believe God is on your side, you can have a faith to walk through any fire. And the second one is you have to remember who God says you are, not who the enemy's trying to convince you you are. And our greatest enemy too often is our own egos that says we're not good enough. Spiritual advance requires faith. Faith in the story of God. Faith in the story of who Jesus is. Rather than the presence and the power of the enemy and seeing giants and seeing walled cities, we believe in the presence of God who said you are more than a conqueror through him who's given you life. Here's the deal in our story today as we read. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to actually continue on to Numbers 14 next week. When others saw giants, Caleb saw God. When others said we can't, Caleb said we can. When others wanted to turn back, Caleb said let's keep going forward. When others thought, the best was behind them because they whined about going back to Egypt and they'd rather die being slaves in Egypt than, than, than be free men following God. Caleb saw the promise of God. This morning, I want you to think about the fact that too many churchgoers today have what's called in this story the grasshopper complex. They said at the end of the story that these men are giants, we're like grasshoppers next to them, and that's how they saw us. And they started seeing themselves that way. And too many people that come to church today have that same kind of thought process that I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I don't look good enough, I'm, I'm not this person, I'm not that person, I don't have the ability to play an instrument, I don't have an ability to speak in front of people, I don't have an ability to do this and I have to do that. And we come up with grasshopper excuses when God says you're more than conquerors in Christ through because he, he's done it for you. It's not what you can do. It's what's already done. That matters. God told them to go and take possession of the land. Back in the day when I was in the military, um, there was this thing that if you turned in the face of the enemy, it was called treason, and you were shot on sight. No questions asked. Wasn't a big film crew that came in. Didn't come and try to report it on the news. If you turned in the face of the enemy, that was treason. What Israel chose to do here was, be, was treasonous against God. They chose to turn and retreat when he told them, I've already given you this land. As a body of believers, we're choosing 
to move forward. Now, it may not look like we're taking a lot of steps, but understand, it's God who directs our steps. As George Wood prayed when he planted his church, he was a general superintendent for the Assemblies of God for many years. He was wondering why his church wasn't doing anything, why it wasn't going anywhere, and he prayed, and God said, I am preparing the foundation in you for what I'm going to lay on your shoulders in the future. And so God's preparing us all, no matter where you're at today, for something he has for you in the future that he needs you to do. And he's giving you a strong, firm foundation in Jesus Christ so he can lay that burden on you and you can carry it with joy. And that's who we're becoming as a church. God's laying a foundation here, and it's why one of our values got added, because he's laying a foundation of people here who are solid in their faith and their love of Jesus and just want to see people loved. Because it says in his word, it's your kindness that leads them to repentance. Now, I accept the whole Bible, old and new. I can no longer have an, I, I, could, I couldn't have a New Testament without an Old Testament. Just doesn't happen. But I have a better covenant that came in Christ. God will always challenge us and call us out of our comfort zones to take risks for him. Because that's what faith is all about, is taking risks. And as I wrap this up this morning, it's, it's, you need to understand it's not what you're going through today that matters. It's where you're headed to that designs it. So you may be walking through some stuff today. And understand, the enemy's going to try to convince you you can't overcome this stuff. But you keep your eyes focused on the cross and on Jesus Christ, and I guarantee you will make it through that storm. You will make it through that fire. You will make it through that disease. You will make it through that addiction. You will make it through whatever is trying to hold you back right now and whatever lie the enemy is trying to make from you. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is overcome. That's what we believe. That's why we do what we do. Yeah, give God a clap because God is good. It's okay. Bad news says you're going to die, but the good news of Jesus says you're going to live forever. Bad news is going to try to tell you the blessing is gone and your marriage is dead. But I say Jesus has overcome. The bad news says you'll never fulfill your dreams. And a God-sized dream is what I'm going to challenge you guys to dream, is one that scares you to death. And only if God shows up can I not look like a fool. Dream some of those dreams and then see what God will do. Because the enemy is going to try to tell you you can't do it. And I'm going to tell him that Jesus I serve can. So whatever you're going through this morning, and here is the final statement I want to make to you this morning, is the good news of today is the bad news is wrong.